Hi, welcome to the Vine Life Church Podcast. We're in Boulder, Colorado, and we're following Jesus by staying rooted in His presence, growing in His family, and living on His mission so that hearts are awakened with His awe-inspiring love. And if we can help you in any way, reach out to us at vinelife.com. For now, here's a short sermon from last weekend at Vine Life. Again, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. How are you? You good? You feeling loose? Yeah? Do we need to get up and walk around and shake some hands for a minute? No? Okay. I guess we're not doing that then. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on then. It's really good to be up here again. Uh, as you know, I don't do it often, but when I do, I always get to deep excuse me, dive deep into what God's doing amongst us. And it's really fun to take the time to do that, just get in touch with God's heart for our community. Um, so as you know, we've been in the Rebuilder series. And uh, Luke kicked us off week one talking about the spirit of a rebuilder. And that was the idea that as a people, we are not willing to settle for anything less than God's original intention and that we will partner with him to see broken things restored. Amen? And then last week, we talked about rebuilding prayer. And this is the idea that all rebuilding must be rooted and established in prayer, right? If it's not, then it's just human effort, and it's not going to produce any fruit. So we got to pray. we got to partner with God through prayer. Amen? All right, now this week, we are going to talk about rebuilding together. And we're going to explore what we are rebuilding and how we do that together. So as Luke mentioned, I'm a business owner. I own a remodeling company. So not only is remodeling, rebuilding my profession, but it's also uh, one of the deepest passions of my life. Uh, I love the process of restoring things. I love seeing something that's worn out, ugly, and just bringing it back to life. Um, One of, the, one of my favorite things to do on a Saturday is yard work. Uh, even from the time I was a little boy, you could find me in the backyard on a Saturday afternoon. It started out with, you know, those big yellow Tonka dump trucks, you know, that were, you know, when you're five, they're like almost as big as you. Well, I would follow my dad around the yard right behind him with my yellow Tonka truck pretending it was a mower. Um, I was this little blonde-haired kid. I had this huge white afro. Um, and eventually I upgraded to, you know, the little like bubble mower, you know, where you push it and it makes bubbles and stuff. And I just, I was fascinated with the lines. I don't know why it's probably because I'm slightly OCD, but I just love the lines. I was always trying to get them as straight as possible. Uh, but I love, I love yard work. I love going out on a Saturday and my wife makes fun of me for it because she hates yard work. But, um, I think the reason that I love it so much is because every spring, you walk out your door, and your yard is just so uninspiring. It's dominated by shades of gray and brown, and if you didn't know any better, you would think that it's dead, it's lifeless, that it was worthless and had no value. But a little bit of water, a little bit of fertilizer, some hard work and the right attitude, it comes back to life, right? The beauty is restored, and uh, I love that process. 
An even greater joy for me is to see people restored. I've had the privilege many times of walking with people who are broken. They've lost sight of who they are. They've lost sight of their value before God. They're unsure of whether or not they belong. But we serve a God of restoration. Amen. There's literally nothing, nothing that he can't restore. Amen. So I just want to start out by saying this morning that if that's you, if you're sitting here or for those of you that are at home watching online, if you're broken or if you're in a broken relationship, hold on to hope. Hold on to Jesus. We serve a good father who is passionate about restoring and he will restore you. As I was preparing for this message, I found this amazing scripture in Isaiah that really speaks to this. This is Isaiah 54, 11 and 12. It says, O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stone in antimony and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of agate, your gates of crystal, and all your wall precious stones. Anybody in here felt storm-tossed and not comforted recently? Yeah, I think probably more people than are willing to raise their hands feel that way. But that's God's heart for you. He's not just slapping you together with some mortar and calling it a day. He's taking precious materials, he's being intentional, and he's resetting you in stone with, with precious stones. Amen? So let's just pause here for, for a moment and pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we thank you that you are the God of restoration, that there is nothing that you can't restore and bring back to life. And God, this morning, would you inspire our hearts to be rebuilders, to come alongside you, restore brokenness, restore your creation. In Jesus' name, amen. So language is powerful. Words are powerful. We use words to communicate meaning. And it, there are two letters that I want to look at really quick um, that add a lot of meaning, and they're the letters R and E. And if you take those two letters and you put them together, they make this prefix. And if you put that prefix in front of a word, it can totally change the meaning of the word, and it bring a lot of uh, meaning to it. Re, as a prefix, means once more, afresh, anew, or with return to a previous state. And that in lies the crux of what we're talking about in rebuilding, restoring, remodeling, renewing, refreshing. As the storms of life, as it starts to rain, <laughs> the storms of life can wear the shine off of anything. The lies of the enemy and the hardships of life can fade the color and wear away the vitality of our lives leaving us feeling worn out and worthless. But the Father sees and knows the value of what he created, and he knows how to bring it back to life. So rebuilding starts with a recognition of the value that is inherent through God's original design. We must see through his eyes what he values. We must recognize that building starts with partnership with the Trinity, and our best effort is to partner with him to rebuild what he has already established. 
So what has he established? Let's look at that. Before we can look at building together, we must understand exactly what it is that we're rebuilding. These two ideas are so interconnected that you can't talk about one without, without understanding the other. So we've been in the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is the backdrop that we're using to talk about being rebuilders. And in Nehemiah, it seems really straightforward, right? They're rebuilding Jerusalem. They're rebuilding the wall and the temple. At the end of the Babylonian exile, there were three waves of uh, Jews that came back to Israel. The first was Zerubbabel, and he led a group back to rebuild the temple and reestablish sacrifices. The second wave was Ezra, and he came back to reestablish the law and to reestablish the standard of life. And then the third was Nehemiah, and he came back to rebuild the wall, as we've been talking about. But if we look a little closer at this, we see a pattern start to emerge that's familiar to us from the New Testament. Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple is significant, symbolic of our spirit. Ezra reestablishing the law and the covenant and the standard of life is, um, symbolizes our soul, and Nehemiah rebuilding the wall symbolizes our body. Body, spirit, soul, body. So God wants to restore our whole being, okay? This is not just about what we can see and touch in the natural. <clears throat> and if we limit it to just those things, we're gonna completely miss out on the fullness of what God has for us. So I just want to be clear here. As we talk about rebuilding, this is not about rebuilding vine life, okay? This is not about this building. It's not even about the idea of the community or the family of vine life, okay? This is much bigger than that. This is not about church growth campaigns or um, becoming, you know, flashy or filling seats or anything like that. Nehemiah 2.17 says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us rebuild, excuse me, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Some, uh, some um, translations also say uh, <clears throat> that we may no longer be a disgrace. Okay, so to suffer derision or to be a disgrace is a place of shame. So at this point in Israel's history, they had lost their way, okay? Um, due to their sin and to, to breaking the covenant, God sends them into exile. They're in exile in Babylon for 70 years, okay? So an entire generation, in fact, most, if not all, of the people in those three waves that had come back to Jerusalem had never been there. They had, nothing, they had no idea. The only idea they had of Jerusalem, the temple, the sac sacrificial system, and possibly even the law was what had been passed down verbally through, through their family line, okay? So Israel lost its way. The people were breaking the law and living outside of the covenant, they were exposed constantly to attack from their enemies because the wall was in disrepair. And you had this weird mixture of 
these two groups of people. One group was people that had survived the exile and were still living in and around Jerusalem. And then you had this other group of people that were coming back from Babylon to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And it's just this weird mixture. There was disunity, there was conflict, there had been uh, intermarriages. Um, for the people that stayed, they had to begin to marry outside of the nation of Israel. Uh, it's just so much disunity and conflict happening, and the people had lost their way. Uh, so at this point, as I said, Israel had been in captivity for 70 years, and then it had been almost 100 years since the first wave of Israelites had come back at the time that Nehemiah returned to build the wall. And to me, that is bonkers. Um, I know that life moved at a much slower pace then due to the lack of transportation and communication, but a hundred years of living in that is so hard for me to imagine. I know this is a completely different scenario, but if you can just imagine driving through Louisville and Superior a hundred years from now, and it's still being just rubble from the Marshall Fire. Um, it was, it's just shocking that, that, that had so much had gone, so much time had passed. <clears throat> But as a people, they had lost sight of their identity. Through the exile, they'd been ripped away from their home, forced to assimilate into another culture. Over time, their sense of unity, their value system, and their heritage had been eroded away. Rebuilding the wall would provide them with a practical sense of security from their enemies, but more importantly, it was a part of them rediscovering who they were as the family of God. So who is the family of God? What's the importance of the family of God? If we go back to Genesis, we see a pattern that God establishes. He picks a couple, Abraham and Sarah. He blesses them, he pours his spirit into them, and he builds his kingdom around the family unit, a household. In ancient cultures, and even up until relatively recent times, the household unit was the center of culture. It was the most important component of culture. And that's true for the church as well. The household is at the heart of the church. The purpose of the household is to guard against infiltration, protect truth, and maintain unity. And also, just keep in mind that uh, in biblical times, the household looked much different than our American Western mindset. It would have included extended family, servants, slaves, and even strangers. But it was still a collection of people that were under the authority of the patriarch of the family. In our culture today, the household is under constant attack. Due to modern transport and general mobility, as well as extreme busyness of our Western culture, we literally just aren't at our homes anymore. We're just gone all the time. <clears throat> also, if you consider access to technology, entertainment, and the undermining of parents' rights, the emphasis of uh, the government in uh, educating our children, the value of the household has been greatly diminished in our culture. In the church, meaning the people, not the building, meaning you guys, not this building, <clears throat> is metaphorically God's home on earth, right? And the household for all of its members, the brothers and sisters of Christ, that's us. God's household is under attack in much the same way as the family is. The loss of value for the household has had a similar erosion on the value of God's household. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20 says this, 
This should be familiar. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together or built, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the significance of the cornerstone, it's the first stone set in the construction of the masonry foundation or wall. As the first stone, it becomes the reference point for all other stones laid subsequent to it. Everything finds its definition in this one piece, the cornerstone. So just as Ezra came back to establish the law and the standard for the Jewish people, Jesus, is, Jesus establishes the standard for every aspect of our lives. So, what we are rebuilding, what God has invited us in to rebuild and reestablish is also, <clears throat> excuse me, the very thing that we are being built into. Not only are we invited to rebuild with the Father, but we are the very bricks that make up the building. So, now that we have a clearer picture of what we're building, let's talk about how we rebuild. How do we participate? How do we get there? Nehemiah 2.18 says, And I have told them of the hand of my God that had been on me for good, and of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up. So they strengthened, the, they strengthened their hands for the good work. Also, Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord build the house, those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. So God is calling us to participate in rebuilding, but he's the master builder. And again, we can only rebuild what he has already established. So I want to look at a few practical uh, principles from the book of Nehemiah. So chapter 3, I'm not going to read it because it's a little bit like reading a genealogy. But um, he talks about all the people that participated, name by name, position by position. Um, and there's some very interesting things I think we can take out of this. So the, chapter 3 starts off right away by saying, Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place building as far as the tower of the hundred which they dedicated as far as the tower which they dedicated and as far as the tower of Hananel. Okay, so here we see that the highest position in their society was not exempt from this. Okay? He jumps right in, he sets the example, he gets his hands dirty. In Nehemiah three eight we see this uh, Uziel, son of Har Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rebuilding is not reserved just for the builders, okay? Those that identify as builders. We can't leave it just to the pastoral staff or the vocational, um, vocational leaders in the church, all right? We all have to participate. There's no way that a handful of us can do this alone. 
Next, in verse 12, it says, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And here we see that there's no age or gender restriction. Entire families join in the work together, young and old, mother and father, sister and brother. We all must participate. So if you're a youth in the room, um, sorry, but no excuses, okay? (laughs) Now's the time to learn about uh, the kingdom, the household of God, all right? We can't rebuild alone any more than a brick can be a building in and of itself. This is such a natural temptation in our society to say, to believe, I got this. All I need is Jesus and my Bible. But it's not true. We need each other. We cannot become the household of God as a collection of individuals. That would be like calling a pile of loose bricks a home. We must be built together with the chief cornerstone, Jesus, set in mortar by the master builder before we can realize the fullness of what God intended the church to be. There's just no other way. So I have some questions for you. Uh, I'll be honest, you may not like these questions. They may feel a little uncomfortable. It's not my intention to shame you or to call you out. It is my intention to make you feel a little uncomfortable, though, and to challenge your thinking. Uh, It's important that our thinking is challenged in this regard, and mine certainly has been. But I want to talk about how you perceive your involvement in the household of God. Okay. Do you attend church to check the religious box on your weekly to-do list? Or do you see yourself as a member of a family engaged in worship, prayer, and becoming more like Jesus? Is your involvement in the church based around your convenience? Or are you orchestrating your life around the people God has put in your life to walk with you through life because they have value? Are you giving of your time, talent, and treasure as an active participant in the family? Or do you treat the church like a government welfare program that is just here for your benefit? That one stings. Again, it's not my intention to stir up shame, but I do want to challenge your thinking. This is really serious stuff. The church was never intended to be a social club or a spiritual spa. It's God's order for his family and for our future. Our future, our kids' future, and even our society hang in the balance. Just thinking about this past week, you can argue and legislate gun control until you're blue in the face. It's not going to fix the problem. Right? And that's not a commentary on gun control. It's just not the answer. You can pick any issue in our society and legislation is not the answer. This is why we cannot... put our hope in political parties, and especially not in candidates. 
Okay, not that I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in politics, that we shouldn't vote, that we shouldn't do all those things, we should, but our hope cannot be placed in those things because they are not the answer. The church of Jesus Christ is the only answer. It is the only hope for the world. At the risk of self-promotion, which is not my intention, I want to share a phrase with you that I recently adopted as a new marketing slogan for my business. Um, if you were to go to my website, one of the first things you would see is this question, uh, is the statement, fall in love with your home again. And one of our goals in my company as we work with people is to help them rediscover the first love that they felt for their home. Uh, it's, it, it's so fun when people, um, when that happens for people. but. The reason I bring that up this morning is because uh, I believe that that phrase is a simple way for us to summarize and really get at the heart of rebuilding together. So, do you love your home? Or have you lost sight of the chief cornerstone? Do you love the family of God? Or have you gotten caught up in the narrative of our culture that says individualism is your right? and that your personal relationship with God is all that matters. Now, disclaimer, I'm not, uh, the church, especially in the West, is not infallible, okay? <laughs> and there have been thousands and millions of people who have been wounded by the church, and rightfully so. Um, and But we need to, we need to separate um, the Western church, the construct of the organization of the church from God's intention for his people, okay? And that is what he is rebuilding. We have lost sight of what it means to be the household of God, okay? Just, just forget about the word church because it stumbles us up, okay? We think of buildings and we think of, um, you know, organizations and ministries, and that's not what I'm talking about here. For some of you, you might be a little bit kind of agitated because you grew up in a broken home and you don't really know what family is. Maybe family has a negative connotation for you. And that's okay. Certainly for Israel, when they were coming back from Babylon, like I said, there, were, there was an entire generation who didn't understand what the family of God was, what Jerusalem represented, what sacrifices and the covenant represented. They had to relearn firsthand they had to discover it for themselves. So I ask again, do you love your home? Do you love the church? Do you understand the significance and value of the body of Christ? If you don't, I believe the Father wants to help you fall in love with it again. As you walk in from the north parking lot, we've got that long hallway, <clears throat> and there's some pictures on either side of the hallway and each one of those represents a kind of a legacy word that we've been given or received at some point during our history. And one of those is Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, four says this, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and devastations of many generations. Let's be a people that build up ruins, ancient ruins, that raise up former devastations, 
and repair the ruined cities of many generations. Can we do that together? Who's in? Let's do it. Let's go.